this episode of The Interface, I speak with Katie Cavender, Sales and Distribution Manager at Amphenol PCD. Katie has been with Amphenol for almost 12 years. We talk about being a people person and how much she enjoys working with her customers and distribution partners. We talk about growing up with three older brothers, one of whom chose the spelling of her name. We talk about moving around a lot as a child from Alaska to Fargo, North Dakota to New Jersey before settling in Massachusetts. We talk about the joy of being a mother of two lively young boys and their boundless energy. And we discuss her guilty pleasures with her selections for a Desert Island album, book, and movie. This is The Interface. Considering it's 9.35, we shouldn't take (laughs) more than an hour and 20 minutes. We got a bigger problem. Yeah, yeah. It should be like an hour and 20 minutes tops. We'll do this. Perfect. (laughs) <laughs> so that's it. I, so, I'll just be talking that entire time. So. I, I don't I don't mind that at all. I mean, that's hopefully that's why people listen is to hear the guests talk. Well, first of all, thank you for doing this today. I appreciate yeah, it, course. Katie. Um, you taking the time. I know you just finished up uh, an end of month and we're towards the end of uh, 2021. You work at Amphenol PCD in Beverly, Mass. So I'll put you on the spot here. And if you can tell us, and we've had other PCD guests before, Give us your 30 to 60 second elevator pitch on Amphenol PCD. Go. Wow. Way to start it off, Chris. Um, So Amphenol PCD, obviously, we sell military and aerospace connectors. Above and beyond anything, we are the most fantastic group of people that anyone will ever work with. So um, that's a, a nice way to start us off. Um, But also we, you know, we do two things that are really critical to our business. We manufacture parts both here and at our facilities overseas. And then we also resale products for our sister divisions in Europe and Asia. So, you know, we really have two functions. We don't just manufacture our own part. We also support multiple sister divisions um, and grow their business as well. What's the difficulty in those two, uh, or I should say managing those two, because it's a very different way to, to, to go about managing your business is when you, you manufacture uh, these products and you guys design and develop them there and you manufacture them in-house uh, or in other facilities as part of PCD, and then you're handling all of the imported products. How different is that for you and the team to manage? You know, I think it's really exciting. It's one of my favorite things about being involved in the business here because, number one, it's never dull, right? There's a lot of different things to learn, a lot of different products. But we also, you know, I have such a love for distribution in general that kind of having this distribution effect with the resale products is is really fun for me, right? It's... um, we get to collaborate with the sister divisions. We get to really just focus on marketing and selling them sort of locally in our um, in our territory. So, you know, the two businesses are very different. We have to treat them different, uh, different challenges, you know, different channel to market. But we uh, we do it really well. I think that we've done a good job on focusing on the, um, you know, the intricacies of both of those models. Um, and we have to, to some degree, treat them a little bit uh, separately, right? We have mm-hmm. to, there's different challenges and, um, you know, we've done a good job, I think, internally in our business, in our business, knowing that we have to um, focus on certain things with our uh, traditional produced product and then just sort of shift things slightly when we're talking about resale product. Can you tell people a little bit about the PCD designed and manufactured products that you guys do based out of Beverly? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got, um, you know, we've got our core products that we've been uh, manufacturing for years. We've got modules, relay sockets, 
um, our luminous connectors, and then we've also got our system attachments, which is mm-hmm. uh, a little bit different. Uh, you know, it's it's accessories and it's wire and um, you know pipe harnesses and organization and uh, you know it's hardware, right? So it's a yeah. little bit different than some of the traditional connector uh, type products, but. Um, you know, we've had a lot of success in commercial aerospace with those parts. And then we've also, you know, we're, we're trying to break into military with that as well. And then we also have cable assembly that we do here in Beverly, Massachusetts as well. So, um, you know, from a produced point of view, it's even within that, that grouping, we've got a lot of different things going on. Yeah. I mean, that's just a wide range of products just with the PCD produced products, I guess I'll, I'll just call it yep. that for now. Now, how about yep. the the products that you import? Well, we represent multiple divisions. So we have Amphenol India, where we're selling the back shells and dust caps, um, which has been a wildly successful product line for us. Um, we also represent Amphenol Socapex, so the field bus connectors and some of their 38.9 derivatives. We also have Amphenol Limited, which has been very exciting lately with the, um, the release of the Stingray connector. Mm-hmm. And then we also have RLB France um, and RLB Germany. So there's a lot of uh, complementary products from RLB France that we can sell. You know, they do modules, sockets, and the, the system attachments as well. So we've got a, a lot of complementary cells with them um, that we sell into the U.S. as well. You mentioned the Stingray product is one that you're excited about, but just overall for the overall portfolio that that you cover, in addition to Stingray, and you could even talk about that, what are the other ones that you're really excited to promote uh, to your customers over the last, uh, you know, six months to a year and, and moving forward in the next couple of years? Well, we have, you know, the soldier-worn technologies right now, I think, are really exciting. So that mm-hmm. includes the Stingray and then also the PCD-produced Gladiator product. Yeah. So those are a couple of items that we're, we're just really excited about launching um, and growing in 2022. And then we also have our, um, you know, our, our cable and pipe adhesive line that's going to be coming out. So. Yeah. You know, those P-clamps, the standoffs, that that series, we've made some developments in the um, in the adhesive lane. So they're going to be able to just stick with either tape or glue to the structure um, versus having kind of that hardware. So that's a, a really exciting development for us as well. How does it stick that well? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't tell you all the secrets, um, but we do have, you know, there is a, a, a tape and this is actually, I've been fascinated watching this process because in fact, the part would break before the tape would um, peel off of the structure. So, right. you know, it's just some type of adhesive magic that the engineers have uh, have worked on with our product team. And um, it's really exciting. We think this is going to be um, a huge product line for us coming up. I've heard it described that way too, uh, the little bit I've heard about the adhesive products where yeah, the part is oftentimes going to break before the actual bond yeah. between the part and the surface is going to to break. It reminds me of, I was you know stationed on a Navy ship for a while and in firefighting systems, they had Halon, which I'm sure people are probably familiar with. And I'd always ask, well, how does it work? How does Halon work? And they'd go PFM. And what's PFM? They go pure blank magic. And it sounds like this (laughs) adhesive is the same thing. It's PFM. Yes, exactly. So I don't know how they're making it happen, but it's it's pretty exciting for our customers. And um, we're excited to launch that coming up. That's great. Now, specific to your job then, sales and distribution manager. So what are some of the specific roles and, and responsibilities that you have for your team? 
Well, I like to think that it lets me uh, stick my hands in just about anything I want, but <laughs> I'm sure some of my coworkers would disagree. But ultimately, um, I have responsibilities for the front end of the organization. So um, John Whitaker and I, we manage the product team. So I specifically have a focus on the resale products, as I okay. mentioned earlier. Um, it aligns very well with our distribution partners, so that seems like a... Um, a natural um, alignment. So I manage the resale product team. Um, and then I also have responsibilities for the customer service and distribution folks here at PCD. Okay. Uh, distribution, we've had a few people, Annette Tyler uh, recently mm -hmm. as well. Uh, yes. Distribution. What's the cool thing about distribution that you like? Because everyone has been, it's, it's a, that's a different uh, relationship, business relationship, right? Because you guys are yeah. partners Yep. Uh, they're not a customer so much as a partner. What's yes. the fun aspect of working with distribution for you? Well, I think you you nailed it, right, with the partnership. And it's, I'm a people person. I don't know if you know that about me, Chris. This I like is, to talk. Uh, this I, is news to me. Yes, this is news to me. So I enjoy that part of it. I right. enjoy getting to know the distributors, the the customers, you know, and just understanding how we can help each other make our businesses successful. And I think that, you know, the really fun part of that as well is, you know, these these distributors, they have incredible sales teams as well, right? So it's it's mm -hmm. an extension of our sales team. And so you don't lose sight of the end customer, right? You're working with an end customer and the salesperson and the distributors and finding a way to make that relationship work and finding new opportunities um, and then just doing it kind of with that, that same group of people and the, the teams that you're familiar with just makes it uh, really fun and, and getting some of those wins, whether it's a new design or launching a new product. Um, it's really fun to watch that whole cycle go through and then uh, be successful with it at the end. What's been your biggest challenge, whether it's you personally or even with your team, over the last, let's call it, you know, 20 months, I mean, obviously there's, <laughs> there's been a disruption, uh, just not so much in business, but in the way we do business. What have you had to adjust to or has been the biggest challenge for you? Well, I think the short answer on that is we've had to adjust just about everything, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, I think, been the challenge for people, both professionally and personally, is sort of everything we knew about how to function and be successful on a daily basis, we had to change, right? And that's a tricky thing to do. And, you know, especially for people that really enjoyed working with people closely, visiting, um, talking, you know, we, we lost a lot of that uh, mm -hmm. in our lives kind of all together. And that's a, that's a tricky thing, I think, both from um, a, a professional point of view and also personally, right? So finding yeah. a way to manage all of these changes uh, that were going on at the same time. Um, and then from a leadership point of view, trying to guide people through that, right? When mm -hmm. no one knew how to do it, right? We were all kind of looking around like, who's who's going to tell us how to get through this successfully? And it's like, oh gosh, we are. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have to figure that out. So, you know, I have to say it was, I think along with everyone else, it has been, um, a hugely challenging time, but it's also, we have learned so much about our customers, about ourselves, about, you know, everything. And, and, you know, when we talk to our customers uh, and, you know, and our colleagues now, I think everybody sort of takes a couple minutes to, to ask how the other person's doing first, right? Because we've, we've come to this realization that 
everybody, everybody's got something going on and everybody's dealing with these challenges. And it's, you know, before we kind of launch into anything else or ask them to buy parts or, you know, expedite things or whatever, everybody wants to just check in and make sure we're doing okay first. So I actually think that's a, a good thing that has come out of this, you know, but it, it's, it's certainly been um, a tricky, a tricky time. Yeah. So you would say that was one of the things that you've learned out of this then is to further develop that personal relationship with your customers and your distribution partners. Whereas before um, it was maybe a little bit less personal, a little bit more transactional. And now you're, yeah. it's kind of like, we're all in this together. I mean, is that For accurate sure. to say? Yeah. yeah. And I think we've also, we've also kind of gotten the art of the phone call back. Right. I mean, I think people yeah. just in general started calling their families, calling their friends, calling their customers a little bit more because um, you know, we didn't say, oh, I'm going to see them in two months. We'll catch up then. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't know the next time I'm going to actually see them. So I'm going to pick up the phone and call and check in and, um, you know, I think that's given us an opportunity to, you know, to just get a little bit closer with people and, and check in on each other. Yeah, it's it's been a challenge. It's certainly been a challenge for everyone. And I know this is still lingering around. Uh, hopefully it's opening it back up a little bit for you with, you know, the, the proper restrictions and all that. But yep. I could certainly understand why, you know, especially for a sales and distribution manager, geez, you want to be hanging out and you know, yeah. you know, be whining and dining and be like, Hey, what's going on? Let's, let's, yeah, do, let's do business, that, you know, how they yeah. do business. Yeah. Yes. That personal <laughs> connection I think is really, um, you know, especially after you've got to know, uh, customers for quite a while, you get used to that and you, you know, that's something you look forward to. And, you know, whether it's having people to the office here or traveling and seeing other people, uh, you know, there's, there's conversations and, and things you talk about in person that don't always translate in zoom or on the phone. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to safely getting back to some of that travel and interaction. That's good. That's good. And, and I think a lot of people are, so that's good to hear. So we'll stop with the current day, right. And we'll go backwards to, yep. Uh, little Katie, right? Were you still called ah. Katie back then? Did you? Always, I, I was. You were always. Katie. I was. Okay. Yep, I've always been a Katie. My oldest brother decided on the spelling of my name. So, for all for all the people wondering how I wound up with C A T E Y, that was my my brother at the time decided that was a good way to spell it. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. So how did that wait? Okay, so he said. <laughs> Instead of saying, uh, say, K-A-T-I-E or K-A-T-Y, yep. how old yep. was your brother when he decided this? He was 11, my oldest brother, when I was born. So, um, you know, I was, I'm, I'm a Catherine. And so uh, as my parents okay. were deciding how to spell the shortened version, he was part of that conversation. So people have been spelling my name incorrectly ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so were you, did that get on your nerves when you were younger or? No, no, not at all. And it's so funny. I just, you know, um, because the spelling's a little different, people often pronounce it a little differently and it doesn't bother me in the least. I think it's, it's a nice conversation piece. And I think that it's, you know, I've, I've been dealing with it for so long that it, it doesn't bother me at all. So, okay, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's C-A-T-E-Y, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. So were you born and raised in, in uh, Massachusetts? Um, I was not actually. I was, um, I was born in Alaska. Um, oh, okay. I just <laughs> always assumed you were from, you know, New England. No, um, I was born in Alaska and we, uh, I was there for about uh, eight years. And oh. then I lived for a couple years in Princeton, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I did two years in Fargo, North Dakota. And then we moved to the East Coast and I've been here ever since. 
Wow. Okay. So let's start with Alaska. What was it yeah. like growing up in Alaska? It was amazing. There, there's such a focus on the outdoors there, um, yeah. you know, particularly in the summer because you do get quite a bit of dark in the winter. So when it's summer and the sun is out and the weather is good, everybody's outside. Mm-hmm. And you just soak up that good weather when you can. And there's just, a, you know, a lot of hiking, a lot of wildlife, yeah. um, you know, so it's, you know, and I, I have three older brothers. So the four of us were just outside you know, as, as often as we could. And that was, I think, a really fantastic way to grow up. How were the winters though? Uh, pretty cold. Uh, <laughs> although I have to say that the winters in Fargo were even, uh, even colder. So, you know, the, the thing about the winters in Alaska is just that there's, there's so much darkness, right? So yeah, we joke yeah. about it in New England this time of year, cause it gets early so dark, but or you know, when so I was early. a kid, yeah, yeah, dark so early. So you, you get out of school in uh, in Alaska and it's already dark. So that's Oof. that's really hard to handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So then Fargo, yeah, like you said, I I imagine it's probably colder because there's nothing to block the wind, right? Correct. It's pretty yeah, flat, flat, so it just goes yeah. right through you. Yes, and it's just the wind is just brutal. So it's yeah. uh, you know it was a it was a lovely place, and there were some great people there. Um, but those winters are, are really difficult to get through. (laughs) Yeah. But I guess in a, in a good way, the, the winters in new England are not nearly like they were in Alaska or in Fargo. I'm sure. Yes, this is true. You would think I would be used to it. Although I still find a way to complain about the the first snowfall we have or the ice on the windshield, you know, but yeah, I guess you could say I'm pretty familiar with the, the cold winters. And you moved around because just the parents with jobs or, or what was the reason yeah, for moving around? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, my parents actually honeymooned in Alaska and then decided to stay there. No kidding. Um, That's great. They were there yeah. for yeah 17 years. And then uh, we ended up moving. My parents split up and my mom was a choir conductor. And so she went back to school in New Jersey. So mm-hmm. we went there and then we kind of chased jobs with her for a little while. And then we landed on the East coast where some of her family was. And so that's why we uh, settled here. So can you sing? No. Are you <laughs> saying that because you know, I'm going to ask you to sing? Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> now there, there has to be a little, uh, a couple cocktails involved and a very good round of karaoke to get me singing. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I think we may be able to make that happen in about two months. <laughs> let's hope so. Yes, let's let's hope so indeed. So you you jumped around a little bit before you finally settled in uh, mm-hmm. New England. How much of moving around that much as a as a child, and not just moving to say the next town over, but you're literally moving all over the country. Yeah. Uh, what did that do for you personally? I mean, what did you take out of that now as an adult? being able to fit into all these different environments as a young yeah. child. Yeah. You know what? It's so funny because, you know, when, when you're a kid, that just seemed very normal mm-hmm. to us, right? We were sort of used to moving around. It was, we, you know, I had my, my brothers or my best friends, right? So we moving around with them sort of just meant that home moved around, right? And that was, it was okay for us. But, you know, when I think back on it and being in kind of places that were so different, we did have the ability to, to meet so many different kinds of people right. and have, have fun in different environments, right? Um, going from hiking in the mountains to Alaska to Princeton, New Jersey is 
a pretty big difference. Um, you know, but we, you find good people everywhere. And I think that's really what matters, right. Is surrounding yourself with good people. And, you know, it, it was interesting to come here. And once we sort of landed here and stayed here, it took me a while to say, Oh, this is, it's kind of nice to just have these friends that become lifelong friends and mm-hmm. uh, to have these roots. And, you know, my, my husband is from this area, was born here, and he did uh, quite a bit of travel in the military. But he, uh, you know, he's got these roots from when he was, you know, very young. And yeah. it's, there's a lot of magic in that, too. So I think there's just so much to be said for, for both of those upbringings. And it's really just about making sure that you have good people around you. Oh, that's a that's an excellent way to look at it. Um, you know, you take the positive out of it, right? Yeah. Um, as opposed to, you know, being you know angry or like I can't believe we're gonna move again. It's more like, oh, yeah. cool, the next adventure. Um, it's yeah, a great exactly. way of looking at it. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fantastic. So then you stayed in the area. You went to Northeastern, right? I Majored did, in yes. business. Yeah. Yes. So then, what did you do once you got out of college? Um, so I had, um, a couple jobs local to this area, mostly in sort of the customer service sales administration role. And I really enjoyed that, which is, you know, I'm lucky that I found something that, that I liked out of school, right. Cause I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, you know, I, I joined Amphenol PCD in 2010. Okay. And so I've been here ever since. How did you find PCD or did they find you? No, I, um, I found it on just a job search and it was, you know, a, a local place that was, that was hiring in the customer service department. So um, I actually joined as part of the industrial terminal block team mm-hmm. um, when that was still part of PCD here in Beverly. So I joined doing um, customer service. Christina Higgins hired me yeah. um, and it was just a fantastic company to come into. And I've had a lot of great opportunities since then to try some different things here. So I've been very fortunate. I'm assuming you really didn't have, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm assuming you didn't have much technical background when it came to exactly what you were selling or dealing with when you moved to PCD, right? Not at all, no. How long did it take you to get at least somewhat well-versed in the products and the technologies that you were working with every day? You know, I was surprised at how quickly some of that comes, Mm, Um, you know, and part of that is just having really good teachers, right? People that want you to learn and want you to be successful in what you're doing. And, you know, I was, I was fortunate in that, you know, people wanted me to understand the product and I had the chance to go to the factories where these were being made. And I had the chance to, you know, through my onboarding process here, actually sit on the floor and manufacture parts Mm. and um, you know, that really helps you, I think, get an understanding of the parts, the technology, and then, you know, how often we're dealing with these part numbers and sort of the same questions and things like that. You, it's it's amazing how quickly some of that stuff uh, sticks. Yeah, but it is a foreign language in your first start, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, we actually, <laughs> you know, there's the technical side of it, and then there's just, you know, kind of the language and the acronyms and the, you know, there's so many things to learn when you come into a company like Amphenol and I think we forget for some of our new people that when we're talking to them and just sort of casually using this lingo, they're looking right. at us like, I have no idea what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, the X27899. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That's, you'll want that instead of the 896. The 896 yes, is just going to yes. be too too big for you. You want the X27899. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I know the feeling I think a lot of us do who hadn't, you know, haven't been in this industry, just interconnects. Yeah. 
And then you come in yeah. here and you're like, this is way more complicated than I thought it would be. But you yeah. pick it up. I mean, you, you just it takes time, but you do that. So when you're not at PCD and you're just hanging out at home, I know you have a young family, but w- what do you like to do when you're not working? Oh man. Well, my, like you said, my two boys keep me pretty busy. So I have uh, Sawyer and Owen, they're seven and four right now. So when I am not here, I am playing with the boys. They do not stop right (laughs) from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed, they are moving and interested in something and running around. So, um, you know, I never have to wonder what to do next. They help me decide that. (laughs) Is it make it easier because you had uh, like what, three older brothers you said? Uh-huh. So, uh, and so you kind of know the routine in a sense, you know, you would think at this point that I would, I mean, I grew up in a house full of boys. Um, and now I have found myself in a house full of boys again. And I am just in total awe of the energy level of these little guys. <laughs> and it is unbelievable. And there's, you know, I think that, uh, you know, they, they teach me every day about something new and it's, <laughs> They're exciting. I have to say it's um, the routine of it is is different every day because they seem to be changing and their interests change. And I think at this mm-hmm. age that all happens so fast, you know, but I do uh, I can I keep up with them for the most part. Is there a funny story that happened recently with one of them where it just made you stop and go, I can't believe that he did that or he said that or where did that come from or or anything oh like my that. gosh, that, I feel like that is happening every day right now. So yeah. Sawyer's in first grade and he, you know, he's coming home with new words and new phrases just every single day, right? And sometimes yeah. he'll just throw them into sentences and it doesn't work and it doesn't belong, right? So recently he's learned, um, and I realize you, you can't see me, but the air quotes, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So now he's trying to understand when you use the air quotes when you're saying something. <laughs> so he'll just throw them into conversation like, Mama, can I have a drink? And it yeah. really doesn't work, but it's hysterical to watch him try to understand how to use this humor and use these kind of, you know, phrases uh, in places that they don't quite work yet. So That's that always great. gives me a good laugh. It, it's even funnier when it's out of context like that. It's, yes. It's so much better. Yeah. Yeah. So I've started doing that, right? Just in conversations, I'll just start saying, you know, it's great to see you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah, that's that's it's a fun age with those kids. That's for sure. Because, yes, yeah, is. you could literally see them growing and maturing in front of you. It's it's fantastic. Yes. So yeah. now if I said, OK, you, you get to be free of them for a short period of time. Right. And we put oh, you gosh. on a desert island by yourself. No uh-huh. kids, talking. no, no three <laughs> boys, talking. you know, the two boys and then your husband. No, no boys, yep. no brothers, no yep. nothing. It's just. Katie and an album, a book and a movie. So what album would you bring? Okay. So this is so hard because as I mentioned, music is so, it's big in my family and it's very important. But um, I think if I have to have one album, I'm going to take Eva Cassidy's Live at Blues Alley. Okay. I'm unfamiliar with that one, but I will, uh, now I'll have to look it up because I'm always curious about different music that I haven't listened Although to. Although I would have to take Lizzo as a backup. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Just, just in, case. in case. Just in case you want to get funky. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. How about a book? So I'm going full on guilty pleasure. I'm on an island by myself. Yeah. I'm going to take the Hunger Games. Okay. I can read those over and over again. That's fair. You want to keep yourself entertained, right? 
Um, yeah. So I totally get it. How about a movie? We'll, we'll end with that one. Well, I have to say one of my very favorites, and this is a little embarrassing, is a movie called The Fifth Element. I don't know if anyone has seen that yeah, one. Bruce Willis. But again, yeah, yep. Bruce Willis. Total Chris Tucker. Pleasure. Yeah. You know, but given that it's, uh, you know, coming up on the Christmas season, probably the movie I've seen more than anything else is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. No, I love it. So you will definitely, you're not in this as an instruction manual when you're on this desert island. You're simply Pure going to chill and, and <laughs> exactly. going, to, going to enjoy yourself. That's perfect. I love it. Well, Katie, listen, I appreciate you taking the time to do this today. Um, of course. We, I can't wait to, to actually uh, hang out again in a couple months, so I'm looking forward to that. But again, Absolutely. thanks for doing this. Of course. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you.